We just thank you for that, Lord. <laughs> that our redemption was bought with your blood. Not by effort or human ingenuity or working harder or just being a good person, but it was bought by your blood. And we just thank you for that this morning, God. We just worship you this morning, God. Thank you for making yourself known already today, God. We just bless you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We're going to do something this morning, and I've been praying about it, and I felt like we just needed to. And um, we're going to start something here, and, um, and, and I believe it's of the Lord, but uh, there is power in the kingdom of God with declaration, right? Like... Yeah, there is power with declaration. So when we declare things, like we declare the word of the Lord, it, it does something, especially when we do it corporately, that what it'll do, like, and I'm just going to read some bullet points and we'll actually do it together. Uh, declarations transform people's inner worlds, okay? It's like in Joel 3.30 says, let the weak say, I am strong, <laughs> okay? All right. Declarations, they also help us to see things from God's perspective. As we proclaim his truth out loud, it actually gives us his point of view, right? I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, right? So, so we see, how does the Lord see us? We're an overcomer. We're more than a conqueror. All right. So, makes sense. And then, I believe it actually helps us to do this. I believe it helps us create a culture of transformation, and that's what this body of Christ should be, is, and will always be, is a culture of transformation. James 3.2 says that if we can bridle our words, we can bridle our body. In other words, in other words, what we speak, if we can watch what we speak, it actually brings transformation. And so, so I'm going to ask you to read this with me. Milton, go ahead and put this up on the screen. There'll be three slides. All right. So... I am a walking revival because God lives in me. And what I believe changes the world. So today I declare God loves me all the time. Nothing can separate me from his love. Jesus' blood paid for Next slide. I will tell the nations what he's done. I am an important in the kingdom. How God made me is amazing. I was designed for worship. My mouth establishes praise that silences the enemy. Everywhere I go, God goes. Everywhere God goes, I go. Because God lives in me. And with God, nothing is impossible. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Yeah. You guys are going to start believing these things. Amen. Praise God. All right. All right. Praise the Lord. So this will probably be completely different than I had prepared. So um, Friday night, we started uh, just talking on this new series, uh, Proximity. In other words, in the presence of the Lord, things happen. I mean, it's like, what's this, what, what are we talking about the next few weeks? When you're in God's presence, things happen. And when other people get into God's things, uh, God's presence, things happen, right? And if we want to be a church that bears fruit, and we should want to bear fruit, right? We've been called to bear fruit. Actually, Matthew 7, 16 says, you will know them by their fruits. 
if we want to bear fruit, and not only, well, let me say this, you're going to bear fruit no matter what with your life. And it's either going to be good or it's going to be bad. It will not be in between, right? And, and Jesus announces and says, you will know them by their fruits. I think that's the greatest form of church advertising, by the way. It's, it's not... It's not the big banner here. By the way, they start putting siding up on our building, and I'm like, I thought they were going to take down the banner. And they actually lifted the banner up and rehooked it and poked holes in the new siding. I was like, praise the Lord, right? Now, yes, that's really cool. It's really cool. Now, even though the banner's there, and even though we have a sign on Preston and a sign on Gilmore, that's not the best form of advertising for the church. The best form of advertising is actually the fruit that's produced from the church, or it's actually the fruit that's produced from people's lives, right? It says, you'll know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? <laughs> it's like, I, they're not. Just, I, don't even know what a, I don't even know what fig and thistles are. I don't know what fig newtons are, but I don't know what fig and thistles are. <laughs> So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. All right. So Jesus says you'll know, you'll recognize them by their fruits. By, and, and essentially, fruits means, it means produce, or it means produce, it means crop. It means something that comes from the energy of a living being. So in other words, what we produce comes from us, right? And so it, it's not just kids, it's everything with our lives. And Jesus says, we will, they will know us by our fruits. And he says, every good tree bears good fruit. Good means every profitable tree. It means every beneficial tree. It actually could mean every uh, benevolent tree. In other words, it, it, it has this, like in churches, I don't know if you guys had this at Crestwood when we were out there. We, we don't have, technically have it here, a benevolent fund where you go and help people. We have it other places. So a good tree will be basically a benevolent fund. In other words, not only has the Lord done something good for us, but then the Lord desires to do something good through us. All right? It actually means kindness, well-being, this disposition to do good. And, and a bad tree, let's just say this, bad tree means a rotten tree and having absolutely no wealth or value whatsoever. So if we are a bad tree, it means that we might as well just be torn down and thrown into the fire. Is essentially what it says. So all I have to be saying this, we want to be a good tree. <laughs> How do you be a good tree? By trying really hard. <laughs> no. <laughs> by, by working really hard. No. By saying the right things at the right time. Doing the right things at the right time. By not doing the wrong thing. Right? No. You're a good tree. You become a good tree by planting yourself next to him by getting in his presence. See, it's, it's like I can't force something to produce something if it's not something. <laughs> you can't force something to produce something if it's not something. <laughs> the preacher phrase. But, uh, <laughs> but, if, but if we would get in his presence, he actually changes us. It's like this. Um, <laughs> I had this friend. Oh, goodness. This Cleve, you remember Cleve Olivas from Midland? Like Cleve, my buddy Cleve used to eat carrots all the time. And you know what happened to him? He turned orange. <laughs> so <laughs> he turned orange. Why? Because his source of life was being drawn from those carrots. 
It's just crazy to me. I, just, I don't know why, it just reminded me of that story, but he did. So, so, so here's this six foot five man, right? And, and about this big around is just orange as orange could be. He shows up to it at the car lot where we were working at that time in Midland, Texas. And uh, orange as orange can be. Why? Because his life source was coming from the oranges. If we would get planted next to the Lord, Psalm 1, we'll read that here in a second, then we would draw everything from him and we would actually begin to reproduce his character and his nature. So Psalm 1, it says this, How blessed is man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but is the the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And right here, verse 3, he will be like a tree. I've talked about this before. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. I sure would like everything I do to prosper. I sure would like everything the church does to prosper, Right? So he says, you'll be like a tree firmly planted. Planted, you've heard me say this, firmly planted is, it means that it was planted here, but it made the decision to be planted here. You guys can make the decision to live your life one way and say, I'm not going this way anymore. I'm actually going to live this way. That's what repentance is. It's a, it's a way we change the way we think. And then once we change the way we think, we actually change the actions that we do. And so it's not just going the opposite direction. I know the opposite direction still, still, still think the same things. It's changing the way you think first. And so he says, you were here, but now you're here. That's like 1 Peter 2, 9, out of darkness into light, right? It's, it's a transplanting. And if you transplant something, it's an intentional moving of something. It's like when you transplant an organ. It is taken from the one person. It's taken from them and removed and intentionally placed in someone else. And so it's a moving from one place to another. And the Lord says they will be like a tree that has intentionally been planted by the streams of living water and that they will bear fruit in its season. I've said this lots and lots of times. That's such a poor translation. In its season actually means continually and it actually means perpetually. So there is a position that we can live our lives that not only do we produce good fruit, but that we produce fruit day in and day in and day in and day in and day out, over and over and over. The problem is, and and, and again, part of this is review, but this is the way we do things here, but I don't feel guilty about that anymore at all. But part of what we do in the church is this, is that we say, well, we got to do this event and we got to do this event. We got to mail out so many flyers. We got to go do this. We got to 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 have this program, this program, this program. I like those things, but essentially what we do is we shake the living daylights out of the tree hoping that some fruit falls off of the tree. And this says that if we would get planted by the streams of water intentionally, that it would begin to flow. Revelation 22 says that there's a tree planted by the stream, right? And it actually says that the leaves are for healing of the nations. And so I think the best thing that we could possibly do is get in proximity to God, get in His presence and say, wherever you are, I'm going to live there and I'm not going to move from that spot. And guess what? If I don't move from that spot, something is bound to happen. The most fruitful thing that any of us could do with our lives is to decide that I'm going to stay in God's presence forever. It's the most fruitful thing. And then guess what? We won't have to say I'm going to have an evangelism event because you become the evangelism event. You don't have to say we've got to plan an outreach because you become an outreach. 
That's why we said I'm a walking revival because he lives inside of me. You don't have to plan a revival. You become one, bringing life everywhere you go. <laughs> it's coming out completely different on Friday. It's much better today. It is. And so if we would get into his presence... It's really interesting, too, This, uh, uh, by the way. It says they'll be like trees firmly planted by streams of water. Um, I looked up that word this week. The word by, when it says by streams of living water, it actually means to be pressed up against. And it, and it could think like a forceful pressing. So it's it's not like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get planted next to you, Lord. You know, it's like, no, I'm going to... I'm going to lean in with everything that I have and give him everything because he's worth it. And, uh, and so we want to press into his heart because when we press into his heart, things, again, things begin to happen. And, and if we would just live in proximity to Yahweh, uh, 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 we would bear fruit. All right. And so bearing fruit, what is bearing fruit? Bearing fruit isn't a fruit issue. It's actually a proximity issue. It's, it's where you're planted at. You two behave up there. <laughs> hey, so, so look at, look at uh, Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31. This is where we're going to camp out at here for the next little bit. James 4.8, by the way, while you're going to Jeremiah 31, you can just trust me on this one. James 4.8 says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Draw near to him, and he draws near to you. By the way, when he says draw near to you, it actually means that he'll get all up in your face. <laughs> it means that he gets close spatially. Like some of us have, some of us have uh, uh, personal space issues. The Lord, he doesn't care about it. If you get all close, he's going to get all up in your personal space, and it's okay. All right. So here's, here's the fruit. So as we get into the Lord's presence... What typically happens is this, like, I say typically, I think it actually happens all the time if we're going to be successful in the kingdom, is that he transforms me, and as he transforms me, I actually bear witness to the world around me. And as I bear witness to the world around me, it invites them in to receive the exact same transformation. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so Jeremiah 31 is this incredible verse, and I'm going to read the first three verses and um, I think it says, at that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who sur survived the sword found grace in the wilderness, Israel, when it went out to find its rest. Verse three, right here. The Lord appeared to the Lord appeared to him from afar, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. I've loved you with an everlasting love, and therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. So real quick, the previous hundred years, the 12 tribes of Israel had been in exile. They were held in ca captivity, and God was in the process of promising restoration. That's what's going on right here. Let 
As we were singing and I was praying, I felt very strongly the Lord is, some of you in here feel like you've been in the wilderness. <laughs> and wilderness is actually for our benefit, by the way. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But you feel like you're in the wilderness and you feel like you've been in captivity. And the Lord's actually going to begin to bring restoration to your life. He's going to begin to draw you closer to him. He's going to begin to restore things that were taken away. Like Joel, where he talks about the locust devoured everything. He's going to begin to restore those things in people's lives. He's going to begin to draw people closer to him. He's going to begin to... I believe that some of us... Like Revelation talks about returning to our first love. I think some of us are going to realize that we didn't know how good our first love was to begin with. All right. So as we draw close to the Lord and get in his presence, um, he actually appears. He appears. <laughs> Look at Jeremiah 28 starts off, the people start to repent. 29, the Lord starts to move. 30, the Lord starts to move. 31 is where we are. It says, the Lord appeared. <laughs> if we begin to call on him, he actually appears. Maybe that's more exciting to me than you all. He actually appears. And it says, he, the Lord appeared to him from afar, saying, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've drawn you with a loving kindness. When he says he's appeared, he says, I'm going to show myself to you. I'm going to reveal myself to you. I'm actually going to show myself being delightful to you. So, so when he says the Lord showed himself delightful, it's like, wow, he is good and his love endures forever. I mean, it's like, whoa, when he makes himself delightful. And it says that he appeared to him from afar, meaning that he, it was at one time that it felt like the Lord was distant, that he was far off, that he was actually, that the people were living in alienation. If you're in here this morning and you feel like God is distant, he's far, you feel like you're living in alienation, in other words, you feel like you're isolated and by yourself, as we begin to call out to God, he actually appears and makes himself known and, and, and he ends up speaking to us. That's the next point. As we draw close, he begins to speak. How do we know this? This verse. <laughs> the, Lord, the Lord appeared to him from afar saying, how can you say something if you're not speaking something? I've loved you with an everlasting love. He speaks to us. We're his children. One of my favorite things in the world, I think April's is as well, it's like a privilege to pick up our son from school. Why? Because you're the first one that gets to hear about the day. Now, most of the time, if we're honest, he goes, how was your day? It's boring. Right. <laughs> What'd you do? Nothing. <laughs> What'd you learn? And like, he has one class. Every day he tells me what he learned. He's in a music history class, which I've said it, it is... It makes me feel old because music history this past week, he was listening to like early 2000s boy bands in school because that's music history. And I'm thinking that's what we grew up with. But, but anyway, the, the best thing in the world is for him to tell me what's happened during that day. See, the Lord, he actually enjoys when we call out to him. He loves to make himself known and he loves to speak to us. And he loves to converse with us. And he loves to talk to us. And 
when he talks to us, it ends up releasing identity and worth and value. And, and those are such, those things in of themselves have the power to transform the world if they would understand who, the, who he says they are. And so when he speaks, he releases this identity. He says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I have strong affection. I endear you with an everlasting love, with an unchanging love. This is the closest thing in the Old Testament as agape is in the New Testament. This is everlasting means forever, eternity, an unlimited duration of time. <laughs> Usually a focus on the future ancient, meaning it's going to be, you're going to be there a while, right? If you sit there, like, the Lord loves you so long that if the Lord's sitting in one place, he's probably going to grow moss underneath his feet. I mean, it's, it's going to be a really, really long time. There's no limits to it. And so what does that mean? If he says that I've loved you with an everlasting love, it means that he's not going to change his mind about you. It means he's not going to change his mind about the way he feels about you. Now, now some of us feel like, like when you sin, like you feel ugh, yucky, dirty, guilt, shame, condemnation. But the Lord, when we sin, it puts a distance between us and him. And it's not him who's putting the distance between us and him. It's actually us. And so the Lord, even if I'm in sin, he's not going to change the way he thinks and feels about us. Why? Because he desires us. He wants us to be with him and in him. He, he wants us to live in relationship with him. And so if he's not going to change his mind about us, that means that it's like that song we sing, Reckless Love. There's, there's, there's nothing that he would not do to bring us back to him. Right? Yes, it's right. I promise. You can't talk him out of it. It's like, I, you can't, I'm not going to stop loving my boy or my son. You can't talk me out of it. Parents, you understand that. It, like, <laughs> there may be some times that your kids do some knuckleheaded stuff that you're just like, Get that from your mother, right? <laughs> Just kidding. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Actually, everything good's from him, or everything good's from her. Like, you can't make him too mad that he's going to decide not to love you. That's right. That's right. Right? And he's just not going to change his mind. Well, how do we know that? Well, the Bible tells us that he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. He's unchanging in nature. So he's not going to change the way he thinks. He, you've, heard, you've heard people say, like, he's, he's never going to love you more than he loves you right now. He's never going to love you less than he loves you right now. He just loves you. And he's made up his mind and said that, oh, I'm just putting all the chips in, and this is just the way I'm going to. I've made a decision to do this. And if he's never going to change his mind, I could, I, I, for time's sake, I won't. But he essentially is saying that you are beloved. It's like, what's your name? You're beloved. Like, the, the, the best thing about me isn't that I'm a preacher or a pastor. It's not even that I'm a husband or a father. It's that I'm beloved. 
Song of Songs 6, 3 says that my beloved belongs to me and I belong to my beloved. He, he just, it's really special. He's not going to change his mind. And as you draw close to him, he'll actually begin to carry you away. He says, therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. Drawn, it, means to dra- it literally means to drag and it literally means to pull away. Think, I mean, like, seriously, there have been times where it's like, <laughs> you're laughing because there's some of you in here, it feels like the Lord's just drug you away from stuff, right? But it's because he loves you. He actually, so if you get into his presence, that he will drag, <laughs> he'll drag you, he'll pull you away. He'll actually carry you off. Think like this, like husband and wife, like the husband carrying the wife across the threshold of the house, right? It's carrying you off. It actually means this too. It actually could mean that I have intoxicated you with a loving kindness. Yeah. Don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. I mean, he, 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 he intoxicated us with a loving kindness, which means an unfailing kindness. Which it's the kindness of God that leads men into repentance. Romans, right? It's it, it's it's He's intoxicated us or drug drug us away with a devotion, a love or affection that is steadfast and based on a prior relationship. Which means this that He based it off of the way He felt about Christ, and so because He felt that way about Christ, He feels that way about His people. He, he loves each and every one of us. And there's not any... And listen, you may feel like, oh, he doesn't care about me. He doesn't love me. Yes, he does. Don't listen to that nonsense. The enemy is going to tell you that you're not valuable, that you don't have worth, you don't have anything, you don't have anything good to offer at all. And the Lord says, I love you and I am drawing you near with a loving kindness. And some of you are like, well, I don't really feel it right now. It's okay. You're going to. And you don't live by feelings anyway. You live by what this says. And my feelings, they go up and down on a day-to-day basis, right? They come and go whichever way the wind blows. But the Lord, he is good. And his word is the same today, yesterday, and forever. It's like I read this verse three days ago in Jeremiah 30. 30 where am I reading from? <laughs> 33. That one verse, anyway. I read it this week. And it said the same thing. And this morning when I got to church and I opened up my Bible and looked at it again, it said the exact same thing, which means and I, which means that probably tomorrow when I wake up, it's going to say the same thing, which means he's not going to change his mind. Amen. See, he's even amen this morning. Come on. And if we get carried away by the Lord, last point, it'll change the fruit that we bear. First Peter 2.9 says, You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, right? A holy nation, or the KJV says a peculiar people, or the NASB that I read from says you're God's own possession. Peculiar people or God's own possession means one solely belonging to another. We will bear more fruit if we say, I'm going to solely belong to God. I'm going to solely belong to Yahweh, which is his name. I'm going to solely belong to him. I'm not going to belong to anyone else. I'm not going to belong to this thing or that thing or whatever. 
I'm going to belong to him. I'm saying he is good as love endures forever. I'm putting my feet in the ground. There's a line drawn in the sand. I'm not going to cross it. You can't talk me out of it. And guess what? And people think, you guys are nuts. You're weird. Well, yes, because we belong to him. And that's the only thing that matters. And when we say, well, I'm only going to belong to him. And I'm going to yield my life to him. Then I promise you, it draws people in. And it does stuff like this. <laughs> it does stuff like this. How is brother or sister so-and-so, how are they so hopeful all the time? I don't know, man. They're weird. They got more problems than a run-over dog, right? Some of you guys have more problems than a run-over dog. I, I know that may be me, just me, but... <laughs> actually, it, <sighs> it's actually a three-legged run-over dog is what we used to say. But anyway... <laughs> That just adds to it. <laughs> Here's the deal. If we can just say, I'm going to belong to him, and nothing sways that or changes that, that in of itself is more attracting than, attractive than anything else in this world. You heard me say before this that like, I don't want to talk people into, their, into faith. Because if I can talk you into it, I, someone else can talk you out of it. But if you can experience his goodness and his kindness, you're never going to change your mind. And if you never change your mind, then the person out there will never change their mind either. That may take them a little bit to make that decision. They may, what's going on? You know, we've been here on some Friday nights and, and I've seen faces pressed up against the glass, right? People like, what's going on here? That's what those who come in contact with their day-to-day life, day -day lives really do. He loves you. Let that transform your life. Like, seriously? It's like, well, my dad didn't love me. My mom didn't love me. I'm sorry. He does. I was treated bad as a kid or as an adult. I'm really sorry. I'm not saying that's not important because it is. But he loves you. I've made some mistakes. You don't want to know what I've done. You don't know what I've done either. And you don't know the things that I've thought when I've laid down at bed at night, right? You just. But he does. And he still decided to love me. And he still loves you. Amen. I just want to pray that over us today. That becomes a reality.